Welcome to the Recycle Podcast, where we discuss everyday issues from a mental health perspective. We are your hosts, Dr. LaFanya Jones, Dr. Rashonda Strickland, and Dr. Nichelle Wall. Now don't get it twisted. We're not going to be your stereotypical therapists. What we will be is down to earth, informative, a little spicy, and vulnerable. All right, interns, turn up the volume, grab your pen and paper. It's supervision time. As a reminder, this podcast is not meant to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to session 29. Wait, wait. Okay, interns. Today we're going to discuss the diet culture. That's exciting because all of us are probably probably about to go on a diet. Or own one already. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the definition of the diet culture is the belief system that we have uh, concerning weight, shape, and size. Mm-hmm. And it's a variation of like different diets that include like the the rigid diets the ketos the atkins well if people mm-hmm. still do atkins i don't know if people still they do, do. they still got meals in the freezer section oh, okay. so mm-hmm. <laughs> south beach you know all of those things so yeah. that's I think what keto was just a branch off of all of those yeah mm-hmm. yeah i can see that that low carb mm-hmm. eat right for your type diet oh yeah Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about that one. That one didn't stay around too long, though, or stay popular it's, too long. I think more people learn about it, and then they just kind of do it, versus it being, like, famous for anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got so many. You've got paleo. You've got the Mediterranean diet. Vegan, vegetarian. Raw vegan. Mm-hmm. I had this thing where... Um, Pescatarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find it, if you ladies... Uh, continue on I'm gonna see if I can find this thing that listed all these different types of eating styles mm-hmm. not to see if I can find it in my, my so basically list. it's just a rigid way of losing weight and you know shaping your body losing those stress sizes mm-hmm. <laughs> or gaining weight because there are people who can't gain uh, the weight that they want to gain and be thick or bulk up or whatever and so you got both sides of the the weight debate, you know? Yeah. So while Dr. Strickland is still searching her list, uh, I found a, a woman by the name Christy Harris, and she provided us with some definitions of the diet culture. And her first one was, um, or is, worshiping th- thinness. And basically, she was saying that thinness is considered good health, but this means a person can go through life believing they are not good enough because the thin person in, in their image does not match what they see in the mirror. See, my issue with that is I know a whole bunch of people who are skinny and are not healthy. And Mm -hmm. I say that from a place of, I used to work for a, um, a clinic in Abilene, Texas, that dealt with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So I saw a whole bunch of really small people 
mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have necessarily known that they had an eating disorder if you didn't know like specific signs to look for and i'm like both sides have some some issues mm-hmm. being thinking skinny is the correct way to be or thinking being thick or being fat however you want to phrase that is the correct way to be i think people need to learn what is healthy for them mm-hmm. um, and that is with the help of you know people who are knowledgeable about what you're trying to do is this something that my body needs to be doing and learn more about like food and how all of that goes together yeah because you'd be amazed at um people who are a heavier weight that go to the doctor and they have a perfect scale of health mm-hmm. no high blood pressure cholesterol diabetes nothing and you'll get someone who is of thinner weight and they pre-diabetic yeah mm-hmm. it's not this cut and dry type of logic i think what really kind of goes on is we have societal norms mm-hmm. that we have maybe the right way to look or be mm-hmm. so when y'all think about american culture unfortunately i can't find my thing but when y'all think about american culture what do you guys see has been portrayed as the ideal body type for men women and is there a difference between how the majority and their body styles look versus black people and how our ideal body types are like what have you guys noticed well (laughs) i'm trying to be polite because i i have noticed that um when you know when we go as african-american women or me i just say me when i go to the doctor and i am informed about my body mass and my weight and things like that i do believe now i could be completely wrong but i do believe they suggest me losing weight to get to a european size weight standard mm -hmm, as a standard and the weight that they suggest, which is, I think, like 130, 135, I would look sick. Mine and, is 115 to one, I think 110 to 115 or something like that, because I'm 5'2". I said, I wish I would be out here that small. Like that, That's not where I naturally rest. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I'm a grown woman. I don't want to be that small. <laughs> like I used to want to be that small cause I, but I was because I was dan- a, a dancer, but now I'm a grown woman. I don't want to be that small. And my man like thick women. <laughs> yeah. He liked it so much. He put a ring on it. <laughs> I was getting married now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like part of me can definitely see instances where, American culture, whatever that is, um, states that you're supposed to be skinny, um, have a more athletic build, a woman or male. Um, but that's not what all these people are going and getting liposuction and implants, you know, that's not that look. The look that they are achieving is 
a stereotypical black woman's body. Hmm. So I'm just kind of like, well, which is it? Right. Are we supposed to be thin or are we supposed to be out here slim, thick with our cute selves? You know, that's <laughs> edited, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just curvaceous. It's, yeah, it's frustrating. I'm like, so the curves I didn't have my whole life, oh, they finally acceptable. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Well, that was just kind of what made me wonder because what you see, like what you see on TV, movies and things like that, but then what you see on like Instagram, Facebook, you know, it's almost like two totally different mm-hmm. worlds, you know, mm-hmm. what you're presented with. Uh, and I would even say to some lesser extent, maybe even YouTube, but uh, and TikTok, but, you know, you get one image of this is what the ideal that you should be striving for is. But then you get this is what the the mainstream tells you you should be uh, striving for. And then you have what your medical community says you should be striving for. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's why I feel like you can't do a blanket statement when you are talking about what is healthy and what is not healthy. Like, yeah, there are some generalizations that you can have, some healthy generalizations. But for the most part, you have to look at each individual person to kind of figure out what is going to be correct for their body. It's no different if I went on a diet, say I decided to become a raw vegan tomorrow. I'm not going to, but say I did. There are going to be certain things that I can't eat because I am allergic to them. Mm-hmm. I don't eat them just because I'm a raw vegan, mm-hmm. you know? So that's that's just like one element of that. Now, when you get into like my body genetic makeup and versus Dr. Strickland's versus Dr. Jones, like that's not going to be necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you all think that body weight has something to do with um or is connected with success yes why because that's the way we've been conditioned it Mm -hmm. don't make it right Mm -hmm. but it is the way we have been conditioned um which is weird because if you really think about it back in the old well let me rephrase that back into european old days um the bigger you are the more wealthier you actually are Versus mm-hmm. if you are smaller, it means that you come from an impoverished mm-hmm. place. And, you know, you can see these trends throughout society, like things come and go or whatever. I don't know necessarily just because, you know, we're disconnected from our African history. So I don't really know the specifics of how that goes. Like I've heard about, you know, being a, a larger woman and, you know, how that's seen as, you know, wealth and prestige and desirable but i don't know that as a fact because i'm i don't have that information Mm -hmm. um so i don't know yeah i know i mean the thing is a a lot of people spend an excessive amount of time energy and money trying to get to a certain weight (laughs) for a reason and i'm just like what i assume status has something to do with that reason Mm mm-hmm um, the other things like, you know, do we, do we actually, you know, lose weight to feel good for ourselves or it, is it just all, well, mostly external, you know, when does it become internal? I mean, me personally is both, mm-hmm. but I can't really speak for everybody. The trend I see a lot of times is that it's, <laughs> it's shallow, it's mm-hmm. superficial, 
Um, people are going to extreme measures of putting crazy stuff into their body to get certain things or do crash diets or, um, you know, doing stuff that's just not healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. a, a common one that you see that I think a lot of people would know about that were in athletics is weightlifters, bodybuilders and things like that. Um, I had a homeboy who, who used to wrestle and if he didn't make weight, he couldn't wrestle. And so they have a lot of eating disorders. They do. Um, a lot of bulimia. Yeah. Dancers. Dancers as well. Cause you know, that's the industry that I was in. Um, but also bodybuilders like lots of carb loading, carb load. Like they Mm -hmm. be in states of depression a lot of times when they get on that stage. That's why you see a lot of people don't continue to, be bodybuilders at that level because it's it's too mentally fatiguing Mm. yeah i mean well who can work out seven eight hours a day unless that is literally your profession but even then is it healthy Mm -hmm. right are you doing it in a healthy manner Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and i think that type of feel kind of or even just diet and i don't even want to say that type of feel because they may not it forces people to be hypervigilant about eating. Like even cause even now if I eat a cookie, I'm like, Oh man, I'm not supposed to eat that. Mm-hmm. But you can eat that. I can in moderation. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realize. And I think that's something that Dr. Strickland and I are, are just now learning. Well, not just now learning, but <laughs> I guess kind of, you're being intentional. Applying, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we're realizing that if we do want a cookie, we can have a cookie today, but we can't have six. You can't eat the whole pack of uh, uh, vanilla blonde Oreos. Right. <laughs> right. Even if it's the thin ones. Right. Right. <laughs> or the powdered donut bag, you know, I'm just saying. I don't know why I got a sweet tooth all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, those were oddly specific. Very, very. I'm a whole foodie. So it oh, is yeah. a struggle when I'm on like crunch time yeah Mm -hmm. like how all three of us are currently on the same um lifestyle change together ironically and it's a good thing Mm -hmm. but it's also like dang y'all don't want no barbecue sandwich (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) the thing and I agree with both of you ladies is about learning better ways and not deprivation Mm -hmm. you know um and not and picking something that's going to stick not something that's going to give you immediate fast Mm -hmm. results Uh, because you know as most people know that that kind of stuff is not long lasting Mm -hmm. it's not maintainable over a long period of time it can also do more harm yeah, yo-yo dieting is extremely harmful to your body. So if you, yo-yo dieting is basically you crash diet, lose a bunch of weight, gain weight, crash diet, lose a bunch of weight. And a gain lot of weight. times you gain, when you gain the weight, you gain more than you lo- than mm-hmm. you were the first time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You're going to have Luther Vandross effect. <laughs> yeah. And that's ultimately probably what ended up taking him out. Like his heart couldn't take no more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, Dr. Strickland and I were talking about this the other day. We was talking about losing weight and things, but we're not in a race, a race against anyone. 
Mm-hmm. So we don't have to like be like, oh, girl, we got to lose 30 pounds in, you know, bef- before you, before Nisha, Dr. Wall, <laughs> mm-hmm. before Dr. Wall, you know, so we can beat her. You know, we're not in a race. No. We're all just wanting each other to be healthy and whatever healthy that means. If that means that you lose 10 pounds and that you healthy, okay, that's fine. If that means I have to lose 20 to your 10. Okay, I just got to lose 20. Right. When do you guys think you learned or where do you think you learned about diet culture and kind of getting immersed in that? Me personally, I feel like I had a healthy uh, view of it. Uh, my grandfather was always like big about being healthy. And I remember he would be in upstairs, like working out, doing his little crunches and sit ups. And like, he's always been like that. I don't think I had enough education about food, like what it does, like how it is truly fuel and what to use when and like all of that. Um, And so my issue with weight ended up happening after I went to college because you got to think I'm probably expending thousands of calories having been a dancer and people who have been a dancer and who live that life, you're constantly working out. You're literally the person that is working out seven, eight hours a day. It's not just, Oh, okay. I took a class. No, it's like you're, I think I worked out from five to eight, then had school. And my last two classes of the day would typically be officer class and, uh, the general class with, with everybody else that was on the team. Then we practiced from after school, which is 345-ish or 255 technically when I was in high school, all the way until 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like you expending that amount of calories. Oh, and then you go to doing nothing. Your body don't (laughs) – you can't can't go get the number one at Taco Bueno no more and eat the whole thing (laughs) with the big Pepsi. Like you can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah i I would have to say um for me i've always been active because i danced all my life and then i ran track and then i played softball as well so and then in college so college for me i i mean i still worked out because i danced as well but then i i think that's when my woman weight started coming Mm -hmm. and you know them little bitty uniforms in college and you got the muffin tops and i'm like oof that don't look good in no pictures. Mm. So I had to, I, like you said, even though I was still working out, I had to make sure I was eating because I didn't know about food. Mm-hmm. So I had to make sure my food intake was comparable to what I was doing as working for as far as my work workout because you know when you in college and you work part time at fast food restaurants, you eat, yeah. you eat there because and that's mm-hmm. not real food exactly. I mean, it's real food, y'all, but you get what it's I'm not, saying. It's not. It's processed healthy food. food. Yeah. Got to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. So. I think mine came, I think it started in college because uh, I think I went from eating a lot. Well, you know, at home, we mm-hmm. primarily ate cooked food and portion control was much smaller. Mm-hmm. I think it started in college with eating at the, like the UC and you know, all of that. What's the UC for people that don't know? Oh, University Center. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of like the food court, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there was a whole bunch of other stuff there, but the big thing is that there's a food court there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it started then, like in college, because, you know, inside of the UC, okay, there's a, oh man, if I can remember, I'm stretching my brain here. We had a pizza hut. We Yeah, we had like a pizza hut, a Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. There's a, some sort of sandwich shop was in there. Yep. And then there's a taco place. And then, I mean, so smoothie it, shop. Right. So then you're not i went to a hbcu we didn't have all that we had the uc but it wasn't all that fancy stuff like y'all had oh um, it wasn't the real stuff it was we ain't gonna go there oh well go. ours was the real stuff like it was a chick-fil-a or a now you of course you didn't have access to the no it was us making it you know but we oh. would get the stuff from a vendor somewhere but it was us oh yeah okay <laughs> gotcha yeah um yeah it was students working in the places but um and you didn't have access to the full menu of the restaurant. It was just like a select few items. But mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, I would be balling because we got these things called bean bucks because our uh, cafeteria was called the bean. Mm. And I would budget. I would know how much I could eat <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> from, from the outside restaurants because I got my meal plan. I got three meals a day, but I also was eating the three meals and the outside food mm. so i'm like if i hadn't been doing all my extracurriculars i would have really been huge i ended up gaining like 20 pounds but <sighs> dancer 20 pounds look different than mm-hmm. other people 20 pounds so mm-hmm. it i look normal to other people my mom was like girl you out here diesel like come on. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay let me let me calm down but mm-hmm that's I, interesting. I think after my freshman year, I didn't eat in the UC no more. I mean, well, t- after my freshman year, I moved off campus. So I only went to campus for class and practice. Gotcha. I think it got, for me, it intensified once I graduated. Mm. You know, yeah. because being single, living on my own. Uh, and anybody uh, that it has is or has done that knows it's very difficult to cook for one person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. food is just not really made in portions that allow individualized. You- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge leftovers person. So if I make, you know, just for example, say, you know, chicken, broccoli or and mac and cheese, like I don't want to eat that for four days. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just me, mm-hmm. you know? So then it, I got into a habit of eating out yeah, uh, or eating cereal or noodles. Like right now, my husband know that's like my go-to. If I, I don't know what to eat, I will eat cereal or noodles in a heartbeat. And it, even now, with stri- well, not now because I'm trying to do better, but you're doing better. Yes, I'm doing better. Thank you. <laughs> um, but those are like my default kind of mm-hmm. meals and... I think just kind of over time and then, at, you know, just normal getting older, you know, your body not working the way that it used to that, you know, that's kind of how mm-hmm. all of that womanness kind of got there over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think my weight became a problem until probably maybe the mid two thousands is probably really when it became a problem like there it was manageable I probably was weighing really realistically like 130 and then I jumped up and like oh okay 
Yeah. See, I don't think I jumped up until we started our business because I've always worked out. I'm one of those crazy people because I've always loved to work out. So even if I just ran a couple of miles, I would run. But, you know, I was one of those people who always ran or worked out. And up until probably about, I'll say, 10 years ago, I was still dancing. So I needed to stay in shape, even even though I was had switched and started dancing in church, but I still didn't want to not be in shape. Mm-hmm. So I, I would have to say my weight just got out of control once we started our practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mine was a slow progression over many years. You know, it wasn't like I had like an all of a sudden, like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> it was just really I just wasn't paying attention and it was just this slow over about 10 years this slow progression and creeping you know a little here a little here and you know you don't think about like okay well this pair of pants is getting a little bit tighter than what they used to be um and then okay well all right my shirt is a little tighter around my my chest area I can't button up this you know it and you start making accommodations for the one piece here, the one piece here, the one piece there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I ever felt in like, like a kind of hockey puck kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It was definitely like a slow kind of upward roller coaster climb. But that makes sense because I think we're all pretty much saying that it really kind of happened around that mid 20s mid 20s to late 20s 30s you know what i mean because Mm -hmm. the 30s is kind of where your metabolism starts changing yeah so now mine happened late 30s because when we graduated in 2011 i was a size four not that that means that i was healthy but i was healthy because i was eating healthy Mm. so i was still pretty healthy in my third and we I'm not going to tell my age, but, but I was in my thirties when we graduated. But I'm saying the thirties, that's kind of when that metabolism and everything else, if you're not doing everything the way you're supposed to be doing, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. then you're off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not okay. And I think for a long time, I kind of uh, fell into that kind of one of those diet culture myths of small equals good. Mm-hmm. or small is best and because so like my dad even now is oh he works out like my entire life this man <laughs> has worked out and I don't know if he ever misses a day unless he's like really if he don't work out is something wrong um he's always been a runner Um, and like miles and miles and miles of running, not like just one or two, like he used to run, you know, six, seven, 10, you know, who knows even probably even more than that. And it just wasn't a thing, you know, he ate or cooked pretty healthily. So I didn't grow up with like a lot of bad foods and and things like that. So, but it just was not something that was ever talked about or, um pushed to be mm-hmm. like healthy you know i've definitely had experiences with various family members of the like you don't need to eat that or you don't need no more of that you know like that mm-hmm. kind of so i think that is kind of the stuff that 
made me believe that small was good. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because my of what I observed my parents doing because they never really, I mean, they just did regular stuff. Yeah. But I can definitely think of extended family members that pushed that whole narrative of you need to be here. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where as I got older and, you know, being able to kind of look back on things and kind of reminisce and abstract more than I could when I was in my twenties, being able to see how some of those messages, you know, led to some of the yo-yo dieting that I've done over the years, you know, some of the fad dieting that I've done over the years in trying to be small. Mm -hmm. I'm also much bigger than, uh, my parents. Um, you know, I'm taller um, than both of my parents. Mm-hmm. I am bigger than both of them. So, you know, I think that has played into my head over the years. Because mm-hmm. I remember for many, many years, my mom was like the same size I was. And I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's a it's a hard thing to kind of come to. Like, mm-hmm. we're wearing like the same size. And this is no disrespect or no no shade to my mom because her body structure is much different than mine Mm -hmm. but you know just it's not again it's not stuff that people said or did it's just when you observe and then your own observations of yourself Mm -hmm. these kind of messages get into your head and then you you look for the thing that's going to be quick to get you there yeah Mm -hmm. that's why it's important when you decide to have a family that you really are intentional about teaching your children things and not that it, any of our parents were intentionally out here just messing us up like that or anything but yeah. you know as children we are I've said this several times we are great observers and poor interpreters mm-hmm. so you just come to random conclusions that really don't go together but because you don't have any other experience or knowledge you have to fill in the holes with what would make sense to you based off of what you already know so you know, it would be important that you are teaching your kids, okay, what does a balanced plate look like? And not just what they learn in school. Like, really talk to them about that and discuss, okay, don't don't get the big plates <laughs> when mm-hmm. we're eating because that's, that's not really a normal plate. It's yeah. what we do now because we we just eating way too much. We ain't out here. I almost oh, yeah. said something real crazy. We are not out here, you know, on farms or doing anything like that. We we sitting, chilling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think for me, I think I've I've yo-yoed between eating unhealthy. It, my finances has has been my major uh, hindrance because eating mm. healthy is well, eating healthy the way I like to eat healthy is more expensive. So for the most part, like there's been times where I would, I had pockets of eating unhealthy, but for the most part, I have tried to live a life of eating healthy. One, because once I got to college, you know, I realized my parents um, suffered from high blood pressure. So I knew I was like, okay, so if both of them suffer from high high blood pressure, yeah, I don't need that (laughs) on my life, you know? So I'm like, okay, so I need to make sure I do something, things to, um, make sure my blood pressure I don't have to take high medication because I don't like taking medication either so now I think for me is yes do I want to look good in my clothes yes but I think my 
weight loss and my healthy lifestyle of eating is more so about my health and making sure my health is stable as opposed to the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most trainers and people who are in that industry will tell you, don't keep looking at the scale all the time, pick a different measurement. You know, is it a, a specific outfit that you want to get back into? Is it the way the clothes lay on your body? You know, the scale is not always beneficial. Mm-hmm. And it's not always correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I could, I could weigh myself on my scale in the morning and go to the doctor and get on their scale and I done gained five pounds and I ain't even ate none. I mean, obviously it's my clothes, but still. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, and I, that is correct. But I was thinking even more so from, you know, as you gain more muscle, you may look thinner Mm -hmm. and more slim, but you weigh more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you were to go by the number only, you know, you'd be in shambles because like, well, I weigh X amount and that's supposed to equate to being bad. But when you look at your overall composition, you know, your body fat percentage, your water weight, your, um, you know, fat to muscle race ratio, you're actually in a better position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that has been kind of difficult for me and that I'm slowly working myself out of over the years is thinking like that there's one, one way that's going to get me there. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done just, if you can think of it, I've probably done it. You know, I've done the Hollywood, like cayenne lemon juice, uh, thing. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that side of vinegar. Yeah. I've done the apple cider vinegar. I've done, I mean, I've done keto. I've done smoothies. South Smooth, Beach, South Beach <laughs> smoothies, Atkins. I have never done Atkins, but I've done Atkins. low carb essentially, mm-hmm. which is basically Atkins. Um, you know, I've tried so many different things over the years thinking that that, that, that thing is going to be, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's going to carry me to where I want to be. And over time, the thing that I'm seeing you know, in paying attention to how is my body responding versus, right. You know, if I eat salt, how is my body responding to eating salt? So one thing that I have noticed is I get inflammation very quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like my face turns very red and, you know, I get flush if I eat too much salt, Mm -hmm. you know, I've also noticed that my face, you know, my face is definitely going to tell it number one, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, it's going to swell up. It's going to turn red. It's going to get greasy. It's going to, my face will tell me if whatever I've done, it doesn't like Mm -hmm. and paying attention to, okay. So when I ate, just for example, sake, if I ate this cheeseburger and fries and this, this Coke, All right. So what happened between that day and like the next couple of days? You know, what happened to my digestion? You know, did I have, you know, stomach cramps or diarrhea or constipation? Did my face become extra oily? Congestion. Congestion. Um, So I've been trying to be more 
in tuned with that kind of stuff so that I can learn more about, okay, so I know not to pair these two things together. Like, okay, it's okay to eat this, but you can't eat this and this. Mm-hmm. You can't eat this and this all the time. So I think I'm trying to be more mindful of that kind of stuff. I think that's smart though. Because at the end of the day, if you're eating something that, I'm just going to go to the extreme, that's killing you, why would you continue to eat it just because it tastes good? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's kind of the way we are conditioned. Ooh, it tastes good. Let me let me eat this. Mm-hmm. You know, out of all the things that I mentioned earlier, I didn't mention nothing that was real food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was unprocessed. And I think that's one of the things, trying to get away from things that are not fresh things that you are not able to control what is put in it i I, (laughs) y'all the other day um i was like i just can't eat no more what i had cooked um and i was like well let me get some chipotle (laughs) y'all my mouth was on fire because it has so much salt in it and y'all know during the detox phase of what we went through we can't have any salt at all so Mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh (laughs) what is going on and then that next morning i swole up and had a whole bunch of water weight and i was like well it is what it is now but you Mm -hmm. you learn and you should do better yeah yeah you definitely have to pay attention to your body because your body will tell it all you know Mm -hmm. if and i think that's that's gonna come with um us being more aware of what we're putting in our body the food that we're putting in our body and being more mindful of what how your body is responding like you two ladies just said like you understand that if you didn't go to sleep with a cramp and you ate a cheeseburger and fries and (laughs) a coke then and you woke up screaming from a cramp Mm -hmm. it might have been something that you ate Mm -hmm. or if you on the commode it might be some <laughs> might have been some you ate you know mm-hmm. you have to pay attention like it's not just like oh i just had to use the restroom no you pay attention mm-hmm. yeah you know mm-hmm. i can always tell like if i wake up and my mouth is super dry mm-hmm. you know i'm like oh man i didn't have enough water yesterday you gotta flush that body mm-hmm. either i had too much salt or i didn't have enough water mm-hmm. and that's what i was getting ready to say and we have to make sure we drink enough water like if I if someone asked you when was the last time you drank some water and you have to think about it, it's been too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Way too long. Mm-hmm. People be talking about, I don't like water. Well, your body is telling you you need some water. And my thing is work yourself up to water. You know, I used to be one of those people when I was a kid, though. Um, I hated water. I mean, I, I drank it, but I just hated the taste of water. But what I would recommend for people to do now is work your way up to drinking clear water. If that means you need to start off with a a crystal light packet or like one of those little squirt things, Mm -hmm. start there. At least the primary ingredient in the thing that you're drinking is water, you know, and you're then slowly work yourself towards reducing the amount of that extra substance that you're putting in your water to the point to where you can actually drink the you know the thing by itself you know because yes I am I'm the type of person I'd like to have a flavored drink when I eat Mm -hmm. you know I can drink water by itself all day long and it won't bother me but there's something psychologically about when I'm eating I do not like to drink water 
when I'm eating. And I don't know if that's because of the way I grew up, you know, we had Kool-Aid or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that when I eat, 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 um, and particularly when I eat dinner, that I put a little thing in my, my water. So then I, at least my brain is tricked mm-hmm. into thinking that I'm drinking something sweet <laughs> when I, when it really has zero calories, you know, it doesn't have anything in it, mm-hmm. but my brain believes mm-hmm. that I'm drinking Kool-Aid. It mm-hmm. tastes like Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you want to do a more natural way, just get you some fruit and put it in there. Some limes, lemons and all that kind of stuff. If you're, if you're that type of person that's listening mm-hmm. to us right now. Well, I know for me, um, when I, I'm not a big soda drinker, so I drink mineral water and it gives me that same feel. Nasty. They don't have to drink it. But remember y'all, this is the person we was talking about be drinking that nasty essence of what it's supposed to taste. (laughs) But it still gives me the feel and I don't have to drink a soda. (laughs) It's like, I need to be smelling Jolly Ranchers <laughs> and drinking that at the same time. Maybe that'll trick my brain into thinking that I'm drinking something sweet. That's like drinking club soda. That's like I do. I know you do. It's like you drink <laughs> carbonated bacon soda. I'm just like, no, I will pass. I remember the first time I had LaCroix. That thing <laughs> <laughs> it tricked me. It really did. Psych. I, I can't remember if it was it's whatever the orangey color can is. I don't remember what the flavor is of that one. Probably orange. Uh, I feel like it was peach or passion fruit or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I popped the top and I was like, oh, this smells so good. I was like, oh, this going to be, this going to be fire. And <laughs> nobody told me when I was getting this drink, nobody asked me, have you ever had one of those before? <laughs> nobody. And I proceeded to put that drink to my lips and I actually almost choked on it because <laughs> You know, I was expecting like peach or whatever flavors, you know, soda to come out of that can. And it was carbonated water. <laughs> it reminds, that, smell, your, that smelled delicious. Your description of that reminds me of Evelyn from the Internet's when she does smack your lips. Oh, she said it, she, smelled like, it tastes like static. That's what it is. It's like somebody's wafting, you know, flavor towards you. Yeah. Or like it's you, delicious to me. Or like you spray like perfume in the air and you walk through it versus like spraying it on you. It do not taste like water. <laughs> it tastes like essence of nothingness. Water. No, water got flavor. I'm sorry. All water is not created equal. No, right. that is true. And I do agree with that. I agree I with don't that. drink all water. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. I'm on the sentia. That's I what do. I drink. I like that. Because mm-hmm. I used to not mess with, excuse me, I'm glad I caught myself. Uh, <laughs> I used to not mess with um, alkaline water. I hated the. Because t- there's a lot of nasty ones out there. It is. Yeah, it tasted like dirt. And they some of them are thick. They're and I was like. They're oh. viscous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, who's out here drinking alkaline water? But then these ladies turned me on to uh, Essentia. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't know that Fiji is alkaline. Mm-hmm. So I, I had been drinking that. I just didn't know it was alkaline water. Mm-hmm. But they turned me on to this Essentia. It's really good. It's no sponsorship for any of these uh, brands that we've mentioned today. <laughs> but hit us up if you would like to sponsor us. <laughs> um, what are y'all's thoughts about exercise and diet? Like benefits or 
Just like in it, general, it can be the benefits or it can be, you know, how society is taking and flipping it and all of that. So for me, the benefits to me working out is just me con- not to see continue to see the same dance body, but at least the same toned body, even with my woman weight. Hmm. I think that there are a lot of benefits to, I don't want to say diet, but healthier food choices Mm -hmm. as well as exercise of course you got your kind of like macro level benefits of you know it helps with mood regulation it helps with sleep and you know helps with stress reduction Mm -hmm. you know all of those types of things that good serotonin Mm -hmm. gets all the good juices flowing um as well as the physical benefits outside of just how you look you know physically being stronger reduction of arthritis risk Mm -hmm. you know all that kind of stuff posture um you know bone health so I do think that there are some genuine you know physical benefits to moving your body heart health Mm -hmm. um so I think those are kind of like macro level benefits micro um for me I am a I like if I'm gonna work out I like to sweat Mm -hmm. you know so I for me it lets me know that I'm actually doing something yeah and that I I moved enough for it to mean something to my body gotcha um and I don't know if there's any you know real data behind that it's just my own personal uh, belief system that if I didn't sweat when I worked out, then I didn't really do much. Or then I'd, or I, I don't know if I believe that if I just didn't push myself hard enough and I gave myself excuses to mm-hmm. be mediocre in my workout. Gotcha. Um, the combination of the food and, you know, kind of exercise and working out. Again, I think they you have your your macro benefits and your micro benefits. You know, of course, uh, high uh, heart blood pressure. Excuse me, high blood pressure. You know, reducing that cholesterol, all of those types of things, lowering your diabetes risk. Um, you know, so that you can live a longer, healthier life. You know, adding years on to yourself versus slowly taking away. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think it is important that people realize movement is necessary for life. Um, The moments that you kind of stop moving, stop doing things, you know, you are kind of shaving years off your life. Uh, Like you were saying, arthritis and your body just kind of settling. It's kind of it reminds me because y'all know I do paranormal. (laughs) Uh, It reminds me of when in Twilight they were talking about the Volturi, how they just sat up there Mm -hmm. and became uh, almost Mm statues or whatever. So it's the same thing in in the real world. (laughs) You got to move. You got to have mobility and things like that. And that's even for people who are not necessarily able bodied everywhere. You still need to have some type of movement going on. I am also a person that believes you can't out train a bad diet. So if you out here eating all these cheeseburgers and crazy stuff, like you're not 
going to out train that your body may look a certain way, but what do your insides look like? Mm-hmm. What's your heart look like? What is, <laughs> what is your visceral fat look like? You know, it's, it's two different. I just learned that the other day. Yeah. Visceral fat versus subcutaneous fat. Yeah. Cause they're different. They are, you know, one is around your insides. One is around on top of your muscles. And typically that's the one that you're going to end up losing first. You're not about to lose that inside quickly. That's, that's a process. Yeah. Visceral fat is like marbling on a steak. That's probably the easiest way to kind of like describe it. Mm -hmm. And some of us is a five wagyu. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a struggle. Like I I love exercise. Well, y'all know that I have a whole fitness business, so I love exercise. I love to dance still, um, but you don't have to think of exercise in the traditional sense. Like I need to go out and run, or I need to go out and play a sport, or do something like that. Get up and dance. You know, do yoga. Do have y'all ever had a hot yoga session? You mess love around it. and pass out somewhere, but there's multiple ways to get that exercise in. And I think people diminish what they're trying to accomplish when they say, well, I can't do it like this other person, that whole competition of like, okay, where am I at compared to where other people are? And I'm like, just move. And then the next day move more. Like it's a a process. Yeah. Yeah. I think along with that, we have to be very careful with the language that we're using with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how we're speaking about how we look, how we're speaking about how much we weigh, mm-hmm. how much we move, um, and, and not self deprecating or being, you know, self negative yes. and being very careful with, you know, describing what you see, you know, because you're, you walk in your body, you are in your head, no one else is inside. So we can tear ourselves down much easier than, you know, the people around us, because we know all of our deepest, darkest fears. We know our own insecurities and we can play on them much quicker than anybody else can, Mm -hmm. you know? So just kind of watching what you're saying, um, you know, stuff like I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm, um, I mean, it's, there's so many, we could just do a laundry list and I don't think that's necessary, but you know, I, I would imagine that most of us are victim to this at some point in time, but it's a process of learning to have acceptance and like genuine regard for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, having acceptance, doesn't mean that you are stuck and you have to stay one way but it does mean that you understand that you have flaws and those flaws can be improved upon should you see fit. Mm-hmm. And typically when you accept who you are and what you are, it's going to allow you to get where you really want to be as well. And you won't have that yo-yo. You won't have like once you get to your dream body, now you doing all this crazy stuff because you didn't accept the old body you had. There are a lot of people who get to their goals and then they look in the mirror and they still see the person that they used to be. That's why when people, before people, well, I I don't know if they still do this now, but they used to before people would have surgery, liposuction and the gastric back bypass, they had to go to counseling, get assessments and stuff before they could um, have those surgeries Mm -hmm. because of that mindset of 
you know, the person that you, mm-hmm. the person that you are internally is not going to change with the surgery. You mm-hmm. got to work on that mindset outside of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know we've had a few people who have had bariatric surgery and they're on their second and third surgery. Yeah. Cause they've ballooned their stomach right back out to what it was because they hadn't made an actual change. They were just getting the cosmetic portion. Yeah. Because you will be surprised on it. What would happen? What will happen once you change your internal dialogue, your internal um, idea of who you are, because once you begin to change that, you begin to feel different about yourself. Mm-hmm. So then you can then begin to probably lose the weight or become more healthy than what you have been. Yeah. Because you change from the inside out and not the outside in. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's kind of like, you know, when you build it, they will come. So like, like you were saying, if you start working on your internal dialogue, your, your, how you view yourself, a lot of times that stuff will just come along with it. Mm-hmm. You will just automatically start making these small little tweaks that you won't, that are not necessarily always conscious. Like you will just start doing stuff and it'll just flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Change definitely starts with the mind. It mm-hmm. does. Like how you think about you is what you become, whether it's good or whether it's bad. As customary, We typically have a quote at the end for you all. And this quote is by Jillian Michaels. It's not about perfect. It's about effort. And when you bring that effort every single day, that's where transformation happens. So, okay, interns, process your notes. Be sure to catch us next session and find us on all major platforms at The Recycled Podcast. If you're a new intern, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. And remember, we are shifting and reshaping our psyche through healing conversations and connections, one discussion at a time.